Welcome to Idle Inspiration, the show about finding our next favorite role-playing game or building it. My name is Caleb. My name is David. And we are here once more to dive into the breach of Dungeons and Dragons uh, in, in one sense or another. Um, we've been kind of exclusively talking about Dungeons and Dragons in one form or another. Um, yeah, mostly. <laughs> for the last couple episodes here. Um, so today we have a special little fun thing that we're going to do. Um, Someone on my Discord, a longtime fan of Ternullius, and by long time, I mean he found that he was uh, shown it two months ago and then binge-watched the entire thing in those two months, uh, which is 65 episodes worth of uh, material. Actually, no, 80, 85, 86 because of uh, side stories. Wow. Nice. Lots of stuff. So he, in my Discord, dropped a, which you can find the link to in the liner notes of this episode if you want to join hang out with us chat lots of chats going on uh he dropped in our little role-playing games channel a couple of homebrew classes for us to take a look at um he would need some feedback on on it uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna do a little dive into a homebrew dnd 5e class um and give our opinions and thoughts on it um we will be merciless in one sense but i imagine we will be very kind in another sense <laughs> We will, we will give our, our straight opinions, um, but we're not going to be jerks about it if it's bad. I don't know if it's going to be bad. I, don't, I have no expectations. So. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, cool stuff. So I have gone ahead and made this little space here for us to be able to take a look at the game or at the... At the uh, um document the document uh it looks pretty nice on this screen yeah. i'm pretty happy with it um and yeah and that's true and his presentation of it looks nice too nice. uh he, he made this through uh the home brewery is which is a website apparently that you can make yeah i, I haven't on. heard of this until he sent uh, yeah. this um yeah. or at least maybe the yeah, it's naturalcrit.com is the home website, but then the home brewery is oh, yeah. the subdomain. Um, cool. So let's just go through it one bit at a time, all right? Um, just, I guess, in a general sense, so let's just talk about it real quick. We, we scanned through it, and it does look like the class is um, a class and subclass rolled into one. Like Unlike most D&D 5e classes, this is a... Uh, a one subclass class there are no other options i imagine he would you know he's just a homebrew thing so i imagine he would he would split out some of these features into a subclass if he's working on it for the future and and then make another subclass or two but uh as of right now this is like the full uh full class subclass no no like paths to choose here just a, a straight actually i did notice yeah at level seven it says archetype improvement i wonder if that Oh, that's true. Uh, maybe he just doesn't have. He just hasn't done that yet. Let's double check and see where seventh level. Yeah, it doesn't look like he has it in the in the list of features yet. So I imagine okay. it's probably just a. So it looks like he's made room for yeah a uh, subclass. He just looks like maybe he hasn't hasn't done whatever which one. He yeah, it's a to be to be done thing. Yeah, as of right fine. now. Yeah. Oh, okay, I need to. No, he zoomed in so far. We can't see some of this stuff. Um, awesome. Oh, um, no, you know what? I think he's labeled them chemical disciplines. 
because um, there are a couple options here. We'll, we'll see when we get down there, but I think he does actually have at least yeah. one on here. So yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, yeah, we haven't we haven't looked at, through it in uh, depth, so we'll do that as we go. Just yeah, kind of go yeah. Open it up. Yeah, it's a PDF here. Easier. Okay. All right. Good. 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 So I'm just trying. I'm trying to center it on on the screen here. Oh, okay. So it's the most aesthetically pleasing. Uh, all right, cool. So uh, I'll just read through the little flavor text first. Alchemist, wiping the sweat off his brow, the frazzled elderly gnome turns to face the chasing wolf. Grasping a small vial from the bandolier on his chest, he drops a small pea-sized blue bead into the vial before throwing it at the beast. As the vial hits the ground, a wave of heat and glass shards ends the wolf's charge. Cornered in an alley, the well-dressed human takes off his top hat and pulls a vial from its innards. Downing it, the fo- I don't know if I've ever heard a top hat have a, uh, be described as having innards until this that moment. That was my first thought, too. <laughs> Downing it, the four ruffians stare in awe and fear as the man's vi- visage shifts, claws growing where his fingers should be, and his clothes meld with his skin to take on an almost metallic sheen. Tossing two vials linked by a short hitch of twine, the goblin laughs with glee as the smaller explosions of the vial are dwarfed by an even larger fireball, then frowns with confusion as his extremities tingle. With a gasp, his form morphs into greenery, and his brown shoes form into a pot as the fireball washes over him. Whether by method or madness, an alchemist, it's and alchemist, it should be an alchemist typo there. (laughs) Uh, Whether by method or madness, an alchemist uses both natural and magical magical concoctions to blast foes, enhance abilities, or get out of a tight spot. Cool. Some fun color there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, hit points says 1d8. So we're looking at like a rogue. So, you know, not yeah. quite as tanky, but. Makes sense. Um, and uh, I think that sort of carries on because it says light armor for proficiencies. Yeah. I'm guessing this is going to have to be a pretty dex based class if they want to be able to survive because you need dexterity to even that out. Um, for well, it does armor. sound like they have. Uh some things in the spells that you can have yeah you the alchemist spells they have available to you um which are i and i don't actually know how it works yet but it looks like like shield and armor agatha shield of faith and stuff like that are on there right right yeah yeah, those could help it but yeah i imagine and i'm not actually sure it looks like you will probably be throwing things in this build uh i'm not sure if throwing is Base strength or dex. I think it depends on what you're throwing, but it looks like um let's see, bombs, bombs, bombs. Proficient range attack with a range of 40 feet. Yeah, so it does does seem like dex is gonna be important, which is interesting because it looks like the saving throws that they're based on are constitution and intelligence. Yeah, I noticed that too. Which, which I mean, in one sense, I guess makes sense. Like it doesn't immediately jump out to me as being wrong. Um but no, yeah. You just have um, to have to prioritize. I'm curious why constitution is important to the alchemist. Maybe it's just because of the bo- they're being exploded all the time. As I don't know. narratively, I think it makes sense because yeah. I imagine it takes a bit of constitution to survive your own experiments. Yeah, it seems to make sense so far. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, obviously, it does make sense that it, they would be able to wear a light armor of some you know armor of some sort because they're not actually spellcasters they're they're just right yeah i imagine they'll probably be an offcaster especially because we see they get an extra attack so i imagine they'll they'd have to be an offcaster to balance that yeah uh skills we get uh 
Arcana, history, investigation, medicine, nature, perception, sleight of hand, and survival. All those seem to make sense to me. Yeah, I, I can't uh, immediately think of one of them that we should have in there that yeah, we don't. Same. Um, um, yeah, equipment. You start with the following equipment in addition to the equipment granted by your background. Light hammer plus hand axe or two simple weapons, a light crossbow and 20 bolts, or a leather armor, alchemist supplies, and a scholar pack. Um, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense except for alchemist supplies is only on one of those. Which I, I don't know. Yeah, I well, guess. I believe you get... Oh, you start with the following equipment. Okay, yeah. that's what I said. It, the only time you make a choice is when there's an A or B. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yep, you're right. I wasn't paying attention to that. Mo I think most of the time when these are written in the classes, it's the, the choices you have are separated by bullet points, which is why I was confused. Um, oh, uh, maybe I misremember how it works. I don't know. I don't remember um, either, actually. I just, for some reason, that's what, what my, my mind did. So. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. Okay, yeah, that makes so, sense. Um, and then we get to the features. So this is... Uh, Sort of the condensed version. Looks like we've got. I mean, yeah, let's just, I guess, go to first level stuff and just. Yeah, I'm just looking to see. Okay. Magic item analysis. Starting at first level, your understanding of the makeup of items on the component level, both material and magical, allows you to analyze and understand their secrets with minimal experimentation. You know the spell identify and can cast it without a ritual or cast it as a ritual. You don't need to provide a material component when casting identify with this class feature. Uh, right, yeah, that makes sense. So basically, you just need to like study for something for ten minutes, and you know what it does. That makes sense. Now, in the base game, are you able to identify over the course of a short rest, or is that a homebrew rule? Because I've seen uh, that done a lot. Identify? No. So you can attune to something over a short rest, which I guess identifies it. I think. I, you know what? I, I actually don't remember if that actually is, if that's what that does. Um, I think that's how I've homebrewed it. That's, that's how I always, have always done it. Uh, let's see. Here we go. It. Let's see. From the Dungeon Master's Guide, at the end of the short rest, the creature gains an intuitive understanding of how yep. to activate any magical properties of the item, including necessary command words. Now, I don't know if that's for. I don't know if that's just for. That seems like a pretty all encompassing thing um, to me. Yeah. That seems like you automatically identify it, basically. Um, yeah, so it looks like... Uh, well, um, except also in the identifying a magic item section, it says wearing or experimenting with an item can also offer hints about its properties. For example, if a character puts on a ring of jumping, you could say your right. steps feel strangely springy. Yeah. Um, so that would just be in case you wanted to have an idea of what it did before you got a chance to rest, I think. So basically, you could either cast Identify, you could experiment, which could go badly, or you could rest. Which, yeah. Yeah, I guess. That okay, so yes, a short rest vary, identifies the property. That would vary in usefulness a lot depending on your GM, because some yeah. are much more forgiving about where you can rest. True. Um, but I think it makes sense uh, narratively, for sure, as a... As a uh, an ability and i think you get three abilities starting out so let's see what the other ones are uh, we've got alchemical concoction at first level you're experienced enough with basic alchemy to rapidly form single alchemical items you gain the acid and alchemist's fire vials from the player's mm -hmm. handbook as at will ranged attacks in addition you are counted as proficient in the use of these vials and they take no action to create or pull out Due to the stability of your concoctions, a creature can be taking damage from a number of alchemist fire vials equal to your proficiency bonus at any one time. 
In addition, these vials must be used by you. Their instability renders them inert if they leave your possession. Interesting. Yeah, let me look up, up those items. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was just, I was just going to do. Let's see. Uh, Alchemist Fire 5e. This sticky adhesive fluid ignites when exposed to air. As an action, you can throw this flask up to 20 feet, shattering it on impact. Make a ranged attack against a creature or object, treating the alchemist's fire as an improvised weapon. On a hit, the target takes 1d4 fire damage at the start of each of its turns. A creature can end this damage by using its action to make a DC 10 dexterity check to extinguish the flames. Yeah, so basically this is this feature is just saying you can have multiple alchemist fire damage being happening, happening at once, which makes sense. You'd want to be You're able also to give more basically treat these as a bottomless ammo uh as well because you, you can just make them and have them yeah so and it doesn't seem useful. like they i mean yeah they don't do uh, a whole lot of damage so it, I, that makes sense I, and it looks like the acid vial and i don't know if this is modified at all by the ability but the acid vial actually is a melee attack you splash it within five feet or or throw to 20 feet never mind i didn't read that part um in either case, it does 2d6 damage. Uh, but it's just a, a, a flat 2d6. Um, yeah. Yes. So that's, you got some flexibility there, which is nice. Cool. Um, that would obviously scale well with something. If you could lock somebody down, uh, you could dump some fire on them and yeah. make them sit in it. Um, yeah, and then I think it. at first level, you also get the rapid brew. Yeah. Uh, which is at first level, your previous work on alchemical items has allowed you to work much more swiftly without making errors. When you are crafting potions, you make progress in increments of 50 GP each day instead of 25 GP. Also, you can make stable acid and alchemist fire vials at the same rate. Okay, so nice. I don't even remember potion making being a thing in 5e. It's not so a thing I'm familiar with either, but honestly... I'm looking at it right now. I'm trying to find it. Um... Okay, no, that's not what I want. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. I don't see any immediate making potions. Five E. Yeah, all I'm seeing is Reddit threads and stuff. Um, and and this is honestly this is one of the weaknesses of Five E, as far as I remember, is that. Um, oh, unless Alchemist Supplies has rules for this. That actually might be it. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing referenced, is that you can use herbalism kits to make health potions and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, Making tools useful. But I don't know if that's... Because as far as I remember, this is one of the the weaknesses of 5e, is that it's not super good with the making and selling of magic items. Um, whereas yeah. like previous editions had extensive rules on how all that worked. As far as I know, even the even the um, wow, it slipped my mind. The what is it called the artificer? I think even his stuff tends to be temporary, so it's still not like a create magical items and sell them kind of thing. It's like yeah. a it's more of a buff. So yeah, it definitely does gloss over that kind of thing pretty heavily, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, so I would be curious because it doesn't. I I can't find a rule that says that when you're crafting potions, you make progress in. 25 gp worth of increments um i i can't find any rule whatsoever about potions being made um so you, you like it, it, it's mentioned i guess but there's no actual rules for it 
um, that I can find, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at the description of the herbalism kit, and it says proficiency with this kit is required to create antitoxin and any potion of healing. Um, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, you're totally right, David. There, there are subclasses. They're just called chemical disciplines. Uh, and yeah, that's the bottom of the sheet. I was, I was when I first saw chemical disciplines, I was like, that is just another. That's like more stuff about potions, not like right. <laughs> I thought disciplines as in like one person had knowing multiple disciplines, not like you were part of yeah. a chemical discipline. So I think he's got he's got at least okay. At least so you do have subclasses. So okay, that makes more sense. He's going to be at the beginning of this episode. Going to be like, no, no, there's right yeah, there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we got there eventually. Um, yeah, I I do see references to that in the herbalism kit about making potions, but it doesn't actually have a rule there for doing it. It just says that you need to be able to you need a proficiency with it to make one. Yeah. So yeah, I I'm not sure quite where he got that rule but if he found it somewhere that i didn't it works for me i mean either way um, it seems like it, it's it seems like a good rule like a or a good yeah the, the idea is if whatever you guys end up deciding is the rule for potions they're uh, twice as good at it yep <laughs> um mm-hmm. cool yeah i think altogether that's a pretty a pretty strong like, first yeah first thing um so let's see yes especially if you're um i want to the the longbow does 1d8 as a standard right yeah so yeah it looks like i mean obviously you have much shorter range than a longbow but you're actually hitting pretty hard you're hitting you're also hitting in a in an area yeah basically if you use the acid vial may i maybe maybe that's not true i think uh, alchemist fire does that i don't think acid does that acid does not no yeah acid is just one but yeah, so if you're using acid, you're basically hitting with a great sword at up to 20 uh, feet. And then you can also have a dot with the fire if you prefer, and you can stack that. So that's a pretty solid damage. Um, I, I almost feel gate. like it might be too much. Um, because remembering how all the other first level classes work, like that, that doesn't seem on par at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like I said, it would be kind of like having a fighter with a great sword. Um, except that you can do it at range, which is pretty it is pretty punchy. Um, especially because you can't run out of them, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think. I I, almost, I honestly feel like maybe just taking off the rule that you can take damage from a number of alchemists fire your vials equal to your proficiency bonus at any one time might. Oh, that it, it's so cool though, based on your proficiency bonus. Well, yeah, and honestly, the I feel like the Alchemist Fire is is not the issue there because Alchemist Fire does it was less damage. How much was it? Well, it's one d four per turn, um, right? But I imagine that it, was it in an AOE. Let me let me look at them. Look up the item again. Um, I'm pretty sure that one is AOE. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> well, the. More, I'm more wondering if it sticks on you or if you're able to. Oh, it does against one target. Okay, that's actually not too bad. Here we go. Okay. Um. Yeah, it might be the acid then that is a problem. Okay, neither of these are actually AOEs. Oh yeah, so uh, 
the fire sticks to the person, but they can end the damage by using its action to make a DC 10 dexterity check. So it's just pretty simple. So that I don't think is really an issue. That is mostly, especially if, if an action to just to remove the flames removes all of the flames. Yeah. Um, which I assume is how that would work. Yeah, probably. And that might need, that might need clarification in there just because I don't think obviously that interaction isn't, isn't base rules. Um, so that I don't think is too much of an issue. But yeah, being able to do 2d6 acid damage. I think it is um, fine, actually, because I thought it was AoE. At first, acid isn't. Neither of these are AoE. Things. No, they're not. And the other thing Which is that sense. while you're hitting as hard as like a an upper damage fighter level one, you do have a lot less health to, to work with, and you'll definitely have less armor class. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of evens out. I don't think it's quite as much of an issue. Yep. Um, that makes sense. And your basic abilities don't really... Uh, enhance that damage any short of letting you do it so uh yeah it's probably not probably not bad um he definitely will hit hard but he'll also have to be careful not to be killed (laughs) Uh, yes yeah so which is uh i mean to be fair that's not that much different than say like a rogue um as far as like the bounce goes so yeah that's the first level it seems like a pretty decent opening um Mm -hmm. and then at second level we get bombs and extracts so let's see you want to read that one? Yeah, I'll do bombs. Uh, at second level, you are adept at mixing volatile chemicals to create powerful bombs that you can throw at your enemies. You could use a number of bombs, each long rest equal to your class level plus your intelligence modifier. Bombs are unstable and must be used in the round they are created or they degrade and become inert. Oh, no, I want them to be to just explode in your hand. That's obviously what needs to happen <laughs> instead. <laughs> Creating a bomb is as simple as dropping an agent into an um, into a pre-prepared vial of liquid catalyst. Drawing the vial and adding the agent is a negligible, negligible act, that, which can be done as part of an attack. Okay. Um, I'd be worried about adding the term negligible just because I feel like free action is already a thing in, in D&D. Um, yeah. So I would just say it's a free action. Uh, I don't think you need to... Or you can just say adding the agent can be done as part of an attack. Yeah, I would just take just, out the yeah, negligible neg- act and negligible say it can be done act, as part of an attack. Because yeah. the thing about D&D is it has very specific terms it uses for very specific things. So adding in a term like that is just unnecessary and confusing. Uh, at least it can be. Um, because then someone might be like, is that a negligible action? Is that a thing? Like, are you adding in a new action type? You know, it, it just... Yeah, it's I can see why that might just, be confusing. I mean, I, I think we got the idea, we but got I think the idea it right away. To, It's just simpler to... yeah. In terms of yeah. like wordsmithing, it's better to just take. But it I mean, out, yeah, probably. that's mostly semantics. I think he'll probably clean stuff up as he yeah. wants to, as far as that's concerned. But yeah, uh, throwing a bomb is a proficient ranged attack with a range of forty feet. Damage is based on the alchemist bomb die, which starts as a d four and increases as levels dictate. Okay, that makes sense. A direct hit deals fire damage equal to your bomb die plus intelligence modifier and additional piercing damage equal to your bomb die. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Creatures within five feet of the target must make a dexterity saving throw against your alchemist save DC. Eight plus plus proficiency bonus plus intelligence modifier. On a failed save, they take splash damage, namely fire damage equal to your intelligence modifier and piercing damage equal to the piercing roll of the initial blast. On a successful save, they take half that. Um, I'm not sure, again, why you're saying splash damage. Is that a... Because it seems like a term you're going to be using. I guess that makes sense. If you want to have a term so you can always say splash damage, which is fire plus piercing, um, then that makes sense. I could see that as being a, yeah, a term you want to use just for simplicity's sake. Um, my initial instinct would just be to take that out. 
Um, D&D tends to, but, to err on the side of repetitive wording and, as opposed to, to making new terms. So they would probably just say fire damage equal to your intelligence modifier every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is annoying to write probably, but. But um, yeah, given the way that D&D classes usually are written out, they, would, they wouldn't make a new term for this. They would just ha- have it written out every just time. Just because they're so precise with their wording. But I mean, again. I mean, but, but in the same ability here, you could just say the damage, the bomb deals or something like that, right? Like, right. Yeah. You know, you, you, and then they can reference back to that. But they, they I, I, given how I know these are written out, they wouldn't write splash damage as a new term, um, just in terms of, you know, if you're writing Probably. this out and wanted to be consistent with the way D&D writes his classes. But uh, again, that might also be semantics, but. Um, if you miss the target's AC, roll 1d8. Uh, a roll of 1 causes the bomb to land 5 feet away from the target in the space, is, in space closest to the alchemist. Rolls of 2 through 8 cause the bomb to land adjacent to the target in an ascending clockwise pattern, i.e. roll of 5 would be the space farthest from the alchemist. After you determine where the weapon landed, it deals splash damage to all creatures in that square and in all adjacent squares. This is not treated as a direct hit, even if a creature um, is in the newly targeted zone. Creatures may make dexterity saves to reduce the splash damage as usual. What is... Wait, what's the difference between a... So direct hit deals that, and then on a failed save... Yeah, so on... On a fail save, they take splash damage. Yeah. Okay. A, a direct hit deals fire damage equal to your bomb die, so D4 at, at second level, plus your intelligence modifier, and then another D4 in piercing. So it does 2D4 plus intelligence modifier total with half of it being piercing, half being fire. And then within five feet, so within adjacency, a dex save is required, or they take uh, your intelligence modifier in fire damage and the piercing damage from what you rolled. I feel like I feel like that could be simplified. Um, yeah. Let me see. So it does seem like you definitely need the new term if you are going to keep these rules as is now that I'm looking at it more closely because obviously there are two different types. It's direct damage or splash damage, right? Like that's that's happening here. Right. But yeah, I see that. I, I see that does seem a little complicated uh, and unnecessarily so. Uh, it also just, just doesn't seem like how exploding things work in D&D. Normally? Yeah. Well, so the other thing is that um, this does half damage on a save, which for something that you can do, like for something that would act like a cantrip, you would not you would not take half damage from a cantrip if you saved, right? And this is similar. You can throw them as much as you want, right? Or no, hold on. You only have so many, right? You only have so many. Uh, never mind. Uh, class level plus intelligence modifier. So they are limited. So I can see that. I feel like. it might just be better to have them do the same damage in the AOE because uh, like just everyone in an AOE would make a save and either take full or half because that would simplify this paragraph a lot. Um, yeah. Because... And, and I, I can imagine that the reason he wrote it this way is because he wants it to work differently and be interesting. That's but true, honestly, yeah. it just, if for, to me, it just feels like it confuses things. It, this is a pretty confusing set of paragraphs um, that's kind of difficult to understand at first. Yeah. If you, if you wanted it to be, I'm trying to think how you would go about it. If you wanted it to be a focused on a person. Yeah. Uh, like if you, if you hit them, you did more damage, obviously. Um, and I, 
I would think you could just say that the explosion is small. The shrapnel goes out, right? You could say if you hit the person, you deal your bomb dying intelligence modifier and fire damage. Yep. Right. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. And then if, if they're you not hit, you do piercing. So, and you also do piercing damage equal to your bomb die. If they're not hit with the, the bomb, you just do piercing damage equal to your bomb die. Because that's sort of how like a, which uh, not really, but because <laughs> it's a much larger area, but if you're a frag grenade, if you're not hit by the initial explosion, you get hit by shrapnel in the yeah. outer range. Now, obviously this is a much smaller range, but yeah. it would, could be the same. Um, and then you wouldn't have to even have them do a save, honestly, uh, because you're only talking about a D4 here if they are in the AOE. Um, and that's not really worth making someone make a roll. So you could just have them take the four damage. That is, um, that is uh, a guaranteed D4 of damage every time he throws it, though. Is that something that's... There, is yeah, there an equivalent also, to that at this He also level? can miss, in which case it goes into a random place. So you could get a guaranteed D4 of damage on yourself or a buddy. Um, oh, true. We're, we're only talking about a 40 feet range here. And uh, the bomb lands five feet away from the target. So, I mean, you're not... If you're there at maximum range, it can't hit you. But... Um, if they're not, if they're within a decent, a, a small range within like 15 feet or so, maybe five feet, 10 feet, they're within 10 feet. It could land next to them and then hit you. Yeah. Um, in which case you'd probably just want to run away first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think. Yeah. And, and, and as David, I think what, what we're both saying basically is um, having splash damage and direct damage being listed as separate things with multiple damage types is pre pretty confusing. Uh, and probably unnecessary compli unnecessarily complicated. Uh, so I think you'd probably just want to be like, yeah, direct damage. Like if it hits, it does the fire damage and the, and the piercing damage. If it doesn't yeah. hit, it does the piercing damage in the wave. And I mean, even at 16th or at 17th level, when bombs do D12, I mean, at 17th level, a guaranteed D12 is not that significant. So it's not that severe. I mean, so I think even then just having it do the damage in the AOE, because it's it's not actually a very large AOE either, uh, is not that big of a deal. And then that re removes the requirement of a save, um, since we're talking about the difference between like twelve and six damage. Yeah, right, and you you also typically want to avoid having a um, ranged attack hit and a save. That there's too too many things that can happen there to make typically, your that's... your attack completely useless. Um, and, and, and I feel like giving a save to the, to, to this, even if you have two different damage types is honestly going to feel pretty annoying to the player a lot of times, yeah. um, because it's very likely that you will miss and they'll fail. They'll succeed on the save. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> in which case they would take like two damage and that would be a lot of rolling to get two damage out. Um, honestly, if I was being attacked, I'd, I would, like I said, I would rather just take the four damage than I think probably have to like do all the, the, the save yeah. and worry about that. Um, and I, and I think it wouldn't be overpowered to do that, especially because we're talking about a small AOE that can miss and it's limited to class level plus intelligence modifier. Yeah. Obviously when you're at 17th level, that's 24 bombs or something, but, <laughs> um, so, you know, but again, at that point, you're going to have to throw quite a lot of bombs. So that's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, but, I, I mean, overall, I think it's it makes sense. Um, yep. But I think that you could probably have the simplify it down. Doing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on target and then travel. Um, yeah. Cool. You want to read extracts? Sure. Yeah. At second level, you can imbue chemicals and reagents in a vial with magic siphoned from your own magical aura. That's cool. 
Due to its reliance on your aura, if these extracts leave your possession, they become inert. Uh, this includes attempts to use them on another creature. Okay, so this is like your buff. Yeah, I mean, this is this is fun because this is actually a kind of pretty ste- steeped in actual folklore and mythology thing, um, like antecedent oh, really? traits and yeah, traits like things taken off your body to power, um, you know, siphon from your own magical aura. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, an alchemist can have a number of extracts per day as displayed on the class table. Let me take a look at that. So. Um, oh, I see. Uh, oh, these act like spells. So he has two. You have two first level extracts. Yeah, at level two. I see. Okay. So they they um, the flavor for it is different, uh, and it's and it's you're drinking a potion basically, right? But it, okay. It does a spell on you. Interesting. Okay. So um, so like your attack is always you you don't do spells for attacks. Your attacks is always these bombs, but right. you can drink potions. Like basically, really, you know, short level. Or what am basically I? Basically, you can cast spells on yourself. By yeah, potions. I like using quick, quick brood potions. Yeah, this reminds me a little bit of a the, the artificer uh, armor class has um, spells that your armor uses, but they're like technological spells. So when you cast magic missile out of your out of your armor, it's supposed to be like actual missiles oh. coming out of your armor, uh, which personally I think is a little weird for a fantasy setting. But whatever, they can do whatever they want. Um, but uh, my point is, I think that there's precedent uh, for having spells be colored in a different a different way. Uh, and I like that. That's pretty cool. Um, so they can have a number of extracts per day as displayed in the class table. If a DC is required, it is a you know, standard plus intelligence. OK, um, so, yeah, this class looks like it's going to be. A, um, what do they call it? Is it a I'm trying to remember the acronym? Basically, it's, it looks like you're going to want to two stats you're gonna to want to be decent at dex and decent at intelligence uh, intelligence seems to be the one it leans on the most uh so far mm-hmm. um so i guess if you don't mind being one shot you can uh, <laughs> have low dex um so let's see imbuing it uh an extract takes time concentration and your alchemical supplies due to this extracts are chosen at the start of each day and each file is allocated a spell upon its creation E.g. a second level alchemist may choose to prepare two cure wounds vials or one cure wounds and one jump. Unused extracts become inert at the end of a long rest. The spell in a higher level extract gains benefits as if cast at a higher level slot. Okay. Um, yeah, so extra- yeah, it works oh, sorry, like preparing drink. spells. Yeah. Yeah. Although this sounds like you're rather than per- preparing like what spells you can cast, it sounds like you're preparing the actual casting of the spells like you actually have to say i want to have two first level cure wounds and one third level cure wounds like that right that's what i'm getting because you actually have to say that you can prepare two cure wound vials and one cure wound one jump i i understand why he's doing this because you have to make vials right like you uh they're not as flexible as spells yeah but i wonder if that wouldn't be a pain to have to actually try and because I mean, obviously, you don't. By the time you're at twentieth level and you're talking about figuring out four first level extracts, three second level extracts, three third level extracts, and one fourth level extract every time you do was it a long rest? Um, yeah, long rest uh, per day. Yeah. So I mean, depending on how long your day, and you might end up doing that once per session or something, but you could end up doing like three times per session, and I could see where that might be 
Uh, I mean, I guess you could have a loadout you just do every day. That would make it easier. But that might be a little bit of extra work at the beginning of the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder if you couldn't just have uh, earlier it described, where was that? Um, in the flavor text, it described like do- dropping a little bead in the elixir or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it wouldn't be easier to say you have a number of elixirs that can receive the bead and you have is infinite amount of beads or whatever. And so then it would just act like a spell slot, right? Where you would drop the bead into the vial and throw it, but now that vial is gone. So you've used up a spell slot, you've used up a vial, but it gives you the ability to s- decide what you want to use it in the moment that you use it. Um, yeah, I feel like that also makes more sense because you don't act, you only have access to like one type of spell, and that is spells that can do something beneficial to you. Yeah, right? I don't feel like this needs, like, I think that might have been, and I can see why, again, narratively, and that might have been an attempt to make it um, less less powerful. But like you said, I don't think it really needs to be less powerful because it's already very focused on on buffs um and you can't even use these buffs on other people yeah so i feel like this is already pretty balanced without having to be that specific yep um and i i would not want to have to go through the process of choosing each spell at later levels at early levels it'd be fine yeah because it does sound like the alchemist is very um in the moment so far and and this kind of is going away from that um I, i think it would really fit the um the theme and even the flavor text to have it be a sort of like you have prepare these vials and then yeah. you finish them as you use them. Yep. Um, but um, let's, uh, uh, there was one little section left drinking an extract to activate. It takes an action. Yep. Uh, spells. It makes sense. Yeah. Spells that would normally require concentration can't overlap, but don't require concentration. That's cool. That's a nice little thing. Um, yeah, that makes sense. The extract that was drank. A drunk most recently overwrites any prior ex- concentration extract. Okay, yeah. Um, yep, that seems solid. Yeah, and that is that is pretty strong, especially if. And I don't know. I don't know if you've got anything like shield of faith on here, but if yeah, options like those are very strong if they can't be. Um, if you can't lose concentration, um, because they last for quite some time. Uh, so depending on the spells we have here, that could be a little bit overpowered. But again only if the spells that are there are very strong. Yeah, and I feel like some of this is going to have to be figured out in playtesting. Oh, of course, um, yeah. So that 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 would be something I would note, uh, Gurno, uh, who is Gurno the Clonker, yeah. who's the guy who we're, we're reviewing this for. Um, th- yeah, I would I would pay attention to that, and in some playtesting, I would like make a note of whether or not that becomes too powerful. Yeah, I think, personally, that's the coolest way to differentiate your extracts from a spell right there. I really like that. But you will have to be careful about which spells you have that have concentration as options yeah. because of it. Um, but I do really like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's second level. Um, and then we have the list of yeah, spells here, which makes sense as I've been looking through them. It seems like the sort of stuff that you'd be able to do. Uh, inward buff. Real, uh, where, where is this? Oh, at the bottom here. Is that what uh, right next to extracts right below that column? Zoom out. Oh, I was going to say, mine literally just says Echo Spells, and that's it. Ah, there it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, it did that I, to me, too, so I just downloaded the PDF. Yeah, when I when I saw that, I was like, maybe he just decided not to have spells and didn't put a list in there. He forgot to delete Alchemist Spells. Okay, now I see it. All right. Uh, Cure Wounds False. Yeah. 
And I do see a shield of faith on here. That might be one that is, especially because you have normal shield. Yeah. Um, now I can see why you would need it because again, you're only rocking light armor, but um, that, yeah. yeah. That, that, and that, that could be one fix to this is just pruning the spell list just slightly to make sure that there is, isn't anything right. that's like really good um, with concentration stuff at least. Uh, but yeah, I mean, otherwise that looks that list looks pretty solid. Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously, if you can do higher level casting on any of these, like that, it seems like a good list. Then, yeah, and it taps out at fourth, like most uh, or secondary in the same general areas. Most yeah, most off casters. Yeah, so uh, cool. Uh, yeah. Let's see, chemical disciplines at third level. You choose a discipline that you strive to study and perform in your techniques. Choose one from Toxichem, Anarchemist, Chemorpher, and Chemistro. All detailed nice. at the end of the class description. Uh, the discipline you choose grants your features at third level, seventh, eleventh. Right, so do we actually have, we have Toxichem, Anarchemist? Yeah, so he has all, all four of them here. So yeah, not only does he have one, he has four. So Cool. Uh, well, I mean, let's let's go first go through the rest of the like main course, abilities, yeah. and then yeah. we'll, we'll go to those. Uh, I'm going to read Alchemic Genius. Yeah, sure. At third level, you are particularly adept at your alchemical endeavors. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make using the Alchemist Supplies proficiency. That seems pretty good. Mm -hmm. Pretty, like, you know, uh, far from the course. Anytime you take a short rest and do not spend hit dice, you may utilize your Alchemist Supplies to make a day's worth of progress on an alchemical item or potion of your choice. That's cool. Yeah. Sort of some inbuilt crafting stuff, which is nice, because like we said, 5e doesn't really give you much there. Um, in addition, you gain the ability to make antitoxins, holy water, oil, and healing potions using your alchemist supplies. You're also considered proficient in holy water, uh, all of the similar thrown in. Should be an and, I think. Oh, yeah, and all of the thrown uh, improvised weapons. Cool, yeah, I like that a lot. That is a lot of diversity uh, yep. for convenience items that are normally too much to bother with like those are the kind of things where if i went to the store i would never think to buy those but <laughs> yeah. then i'm in the middle of a fight and i'm like i could really use an antitoxin uh -huh. um so it's nice that you have the ability to sort of streamline that um For sure. uh, yeah so that's cool i like that and then of course you have your ability score improvement at fourth mm -hmm. level um uh, extra attack at fifth level which i think makes sense because this seems like it's going to be a pretty um I mean, so far, everything has either been like crafting utility or damage. So you're going to want to be putting out pretty solid damage. Uh, I think an extra attack makes sense. Um, seems fair. Uh, again, yep. we're an off caster. So like, you know, the paladin gets an extra attack. That seems, seems uh, uh, Getting evasion makes sense for this, um, right? Your experience with dodging alchemical experiments gone wrong allows you to avoid the brunt of certain area effects. Um, makes sense. Because like, this is oh, yeah, useful yeah, beyond yeah. just your own bombs. Um, yeah, yeah, evasion's a, a good, um, a really good ability, especially if you're if you're talking about lower health characters. It's yeah. uh, kind of necessary. Um, get alchemy stone uh, beginning at eighth level. Your experience jump seventh level because that's a, uh, a, a class feature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, your experience with alchemy has given you the ability to create an item to store energy. By spending eight hours, you may create an alchemy stone, a crystal that houses an almost permanent alchemical reaction. Uh, you can make the stone shed bright light up to 60 feet radius and dim light up for additional 60 feet. Um, this effect can be turned on and off as a bonus action. The stone grants resistance to lightning damage. When it, you take lightning damage, it gains 2% charge for every one point of damage negated by the stone. 
Uh, wait, what does that mean? You take lane. Uh, the next the next action section talks about charge. So if you take lightning damage, you gain two percent charge for every damage, and then once it hits one hundred percent, you can cast lightning bolt as a level three spell. Oh, so the stone is it? Yeah. Oh wait, okay. So, so basically, it, once I, you take, I, again, I assumed these were different effects uh, that are bullet pointed no, you get here. All of these, yeah. I mean, there are different effects, but you get they are all you gain the following get. effects. Yeah, yeah. I first thought it said you pick one, but then I realized that yeah. Um, yep. So basically, once you've taken fifty lightning damage. You can cast. Wait, right? No, no. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, I, I, need 100%. And I would, I would just write it like that, Grunow. I would just say once you've taken fifty, once fifty points of lightning damage have been negated by the stone, you may cast the lightning bolt spell. Like it, adding in percentages is just going to be confusing. Um, when you can very simply say once you take fifty, because <laughs> that's all it yeah. means, right? Right. Yeah. Um. You're you're adding an, another uh, another term that just doesn't need to be added. Um, that that's my general advice with creating classes in Five E is to just doing any homebrew stuff in Five E. Don't create new terms. Use the terms that already exist because it's going to be way less confusing for everybody that way. Um, yeah. Uh, also, oh, this is eighth level. I wonder if fifty damage at eighth level. It seems like quite a lot to go through before you get it. But I'm not really sure, honestly. I don't have a lot of like mid-level play. Oh, that, it is true though. The stone grants resistance to lightning damage, and so it's with every point negated by the stone. Um, it just says when you take lightning damage against two percent charge. Oh, you're right, negated by something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but so, but that you still have to take fifty damage though because it's two percent charge for every damage negated. So you'd have to negate 50 damage, which means you'd also yeah. take 50 damage because it's it's resistance. Yeah, I would. And, and, and since Lightning Bolt is only a third level spell, I would honestly like. And it doesn't look like this compounds at all. No, I, I, so. I would just make it 25 points. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would make it less. And um, the other thing is, I don't know how consistently you'll be taking lightning damage. I don't know that I take lightning damage all that often. I'd just be. Sorry about that. <laughs> that might just be a uh, uh, a quirk of the games that I've played, but uh, I think the the faster you can get that without making it too broken, the the more it'll show up. Because if you're not fighting someone using lightning, it won't show up at all. So when you do fight someone with lightning, you want yep. it to show up. Yep. Because um, uh, otherwise, it'll be. And and it's important that also that has one more ability um, that makes sense here. Because I was just about to say like this doesn't seem like a good. A feature because if it's only lightning damage like okay but then it does say the power of this structure also yeah. grants your extracts extra stability your extracts may be given to others without becoming inert and you may drink them as a potion in order to activate their effects um wait isn't that what you do already pretty sure you yeah because the potion in base D&D takes an action. Oh, and they drink. may drink them as a potion. Okay, sorry. I, I, thought it, I thought it was they as in like the yeah. gender neutral uh, me. <laughs> right. Uh, also, I, I would like this to have a bullet point since it's another ability. Yep. Um, and I didn't notice it for quite a while. until. Yep. Um, I would make sure it's very clear that this is another thing. Yeah, because this is honestly the strongest thing in there. Yep. Um, because it allows you to grant these spells to other people. Um, that's pretty... That's pretty. Uh, yeah, makes sense to me though. Powerful, um, but yeah, I think that's good. 
then I think we skip ninth because that's also a, uh, I mean, no, ninth level, you just, your bombs go up to D8 and your proficiency goes up to plus four. Um, so at fifth level, your bombs end up to D6. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, when you get an extra attack, your bombs go up to D6 at fifth level. Uh, one thought I have actually too, um, ability score improvement is listed on here. Um, and I, that's kind of pointless as all classes get this and it's not even class-based. It's whenever a character hits fourth level, eighth level, 12th level, 16th level, they get an ability store improvement. That's just a thing that happens always. Are those not listed on the normal? I think they have, they have ability score listed on the, um, on the normal classes as well. Even Do though they? it's always in the same place. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now. On have have th- I been doing this wrong then? I mean... You're not wrong about where they are, but it's just that they, they take well, the time to put them on the sheet. So this this is the thing, though. I've always ruled it like... um, Crap, man, this might be bad. Uh, Although fighters, fighters do get ability improvements every other level, basically. So there's the one difference. Fighters get ability score improvements constantly. Really? Yeah, every other level. Dang. Okay, this is bad then. Uh, I have been You've ruling been really from my players. Some of your fighters. Yeah, I have no because yeah. I I was again I'm used to the way 3.5 does this, and so I yeah. just assumed it was every fourth, eighth, twelfth, sixteenth, and nineteenth as a character level in total. So not class level on a particular class. Just oh, in total. that's also true. Yeah, you have to actually get there in in the same class to get them. That is true. Yeah. Man, and yeah, good Dang. old fighters ability score improvement. Well, so I, I lied. It's not every other level. It's every other level from fourth. So they get it fourth, sixth, eighth, tenth, and so on. But they don't get it on second. <laughs> so that would be a little bit much. Okay, I need to check something. <laughs> oh, my players are gonna hate me. This is the problem with being familiar with multiple cool. types of D and D. You get the rules mixed up all the time. Yeah um so at any rate yeah it looks like you get you get archetype improvements at the standard rate here it looks like um sorry or i'm I'm sorry ability score improvements yeah and uh archetype improvements as well um so sorry where were we we were at oh 10 that's why okay oof (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, yep. Beginning at tenth level, lab companion, you you're working the fields of magical imbuing and alchemical creations. Allow you to chance to create a helper in your work. That's fun. By spending one hour, you get Igor. By spending one hour, you can utilize clay, ash, and mandrake root of combined value of 100 GP in order to create a homunculus assistant as a companion. In addition to its standard abilities, as of the monster manual, page 188, it gains the following benefits, which I guess I'll have to look that up. Um, it is social. It can speak common and one other of your known languages. And industrious. The homunculus restores a number of expended bombs equal to your proficiency bonus at the end of the short rest. That's kind of awesome. That's pretty great. I like that a lot, actually. Let me look for the homunculus here. So a homunculus is oh they're really they're kind of cute actually um they are challenge zero <laughs> uh thirteen armor class five HP twenty speed forty five speed they have four strength fifteen dex eleven con ten intelligence ten wisdom seven charisma they're immune to poison they are immune to charm and being poisoned 
they have dark vision. That's actually pretty useful. If your character doesn't have dark vision, they can mm-hmm. see for you, assuming they don't get hit by anything. <laughs> so they'll just die immediately. Uh, and they have a passive perception of 10. Uh, they understand language as a creator and can't speak, except yours can, because that's the point. Um, they have a telepathic bond, and they can bite. It's a poison um, bite. And they have a thing called shared... Oh, is it? Yep. And they have shared mind, which allows them to know everything its creator knows. Uh, can sense things that they sense. Yeah, that's pretty useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. Yeah, but it's that's but fun. it's not too useful. I, I like that's a pretty good balance of things, just specifically oh, yeah. because it also gives you the ability to restore restore bombs. That I like that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fun. pretty cool. It gives it a flavor for this class specifically, as opposed mm-hmm. to being something like. The, Why do you get this? Like just kind of yeah. random. Like the pack chain. I think this is fun. I like that. Um, let's see. Health and safety. At, uh, so we're skipping three levels here. So at 11th level, we get an archetype improvement. 12th, we get ability score improvement. And at 13th, we get uh, our bombs go to D10 and our proficiency goes to plus five. Um, also, at this point, we have four level one extracts, three level two extracts, uh, and two level three extracts. Um, I'm honestly not sure about how the spell allocations um, because I'm not, I don't play casters very often. So I'm not too familiar with how that pans out for everyone else, but I think that seems fair um, for an off caster. Uh, I play Paladin sometimes, so that, that seems like it's on, on point. The only um, thing that I'm thinking is by the time you get fourth level spells, I, it's ninth, only 19th and 20th level. They're basically useless at that point. Like Death Ward, Fire Shield, Freedom of Movement, Greater Invisibility, Polymorph, and Stone Skin. At the, at the point you're literally 19th and 20th level, those spells are largely pointless. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, to be fair, like you're an offcaster, so your spells being, they're more utility than anything. But yeah. the, the real concern I see is that what game gets to 19th and 20th level? Like exactly. You actually want to be able yep. to use those. But let me let me look at the the allocation for like a paladin for instance. Yeah. Now, obviously I feel like you could actually be more generous with your uh, spell allocations than most off casters just yeah. because you still have a, you have an extra limitation on what they are. Yeah. Your list is pretty restricted in what you could do. And for like half of your character's progression, you can only use them on your, yourself. Um, where's paladin areas. So let's see a paladin gets, Where's the? Oh, I'm an idiot. Uh, here it is. Okay, so Paladin is looking at. Oh, Paladin actually gets fifth level spells as of level 17. They get one, and then by level 19 they get two. So, but fourth level spells they actually get their first fourth level spell at level 13. Yeah, I, uh, I, so my, that would see. be my recommendation. I think you know, like the, the I think the spell allocation is a little stingy. Um, I, I would maybe broaden that out a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think honestly, you could, you could, especially since you're willing to just cut out fifth level spells altogether. Um, I think with all of those, the combination of all of those, you can, I think, pretty safely uh, hand out more, more spell slots because, yeah, you're not really looking at more spells. Um, and I'm pretty sure they're more constricted than. Because like Death Ward is typically a spell around like I, th- I believe it's 12th in normal caster or something like that 
Yeah, obviously, yeah, normal caster. Let's see. So Paladin gets their first fourth level spell at 13. Let me look up like a sorcerer and see what they get. So uh sorcerer. Sorcerer gets their first fourth level spell at seven. <laughs> so yeah. Um yeah, I'd say like 12, 13 makes sense. Something something similar to the paladin. Yeah. Uh allocation would probably be fine yeah because honestly this reminds me uh, a bit of like the paladin hits hard um and has more utility spells this class is the same except they're not as tanky yeah um then they're more utility but i think you could you could probably follow the paladin and, and be relatively safe um you're just basically doing your damage over time more often as opposed to the paladin who's dumping it all at once yep um and to be fair the paladin also barely ever cast spells they just use their spells for smites <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh yeah I, I think you could probably be more generous with the the, the spell slots especially because you're not giving fifth out at all um we have health actually, and safety beginning at 14th level the myriad of mistakes accidents and general dangers of your work have given you continued tolerance of their effects and similar elements you gain resistance to fire and acid damage i think that makes sense mm-hmm. that's pretty solid um and then 18th, you get Charged Alchemist Stone. Uh, your Alchemy Stone takes on similar powers to the Philosopher's Stone of Legend. At the start of each of your turns, you regain hit points equal to 5 plus your Constitution modifier if you have no more than half your hit points left and are holding your Alchemist Stone in one of your hands. You don't gain this benefit if you have zero hit points. If you succeed on a death saving throw while in possession of your Alchemist Stone, you may choose to hit, use Hit Dice instead of u- their usual effects. Usual effect, you gain 1d4 hit points for every hit die you choose to spend. Uh, once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. I like that a lot. It seems really cool without being overpowered. Sorry, I was I was looking at something. I, I found where he got this spell list from, so that's why I was I didn't hear when you read it. If you see. That's not bad. I like that. Um, sort of some self revive and, and sustain, which will probably be pretty helpful at level eighteen <laughs> for mm-hmm. for squishier characters, uh, especially because you don't have um, the you have evasion for the the rogue has or the rogue, um, but you don't have uh, what is it? What do they call it? The rogue has a really powerful okay um, dodge. Yes, that. So I feel like because you don't have that at this high of level, this will help you sort of keep yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, so this his spell list is exactly mirrored uh, for the uh, Eldritch Knight. The Eldritch Knight? It's a fighter subclass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's the exact same distribution. Um, so the question is, is the Reliance for this class on their spells the same as the Eldritch Knight because a fighter is mostly about their insane amount of attack, attacks per turn. Yeah. And this class is mostly about their bombs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not really sure why the Eldritch Knight has such a stingy spell list, honestly, but I can see why he did that. I see yeah. why he he attributed this and, and, and maybe this else. is just another playtest thing. Like I, I would yeah. I would test it out both ways. I would test it out with this current allocation and I would test it out with um a more paladin like allocation and see yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Um 
uh, especially because um, your spell list, I think, is more restricted. I think you could probably um, afford to have your own version of this. It's a little more generous. But yeah, that is definitely a thing that will come out of testing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so what do we think about the 20th level ability here? We have, uh, it's called Magnum Opus. At 20th level, you master the transmutational properties of alchemy via use of your alchemy stone. You may use a bonus action to unleash alchemy stone's power into your own body. Once you do so, you split the alchemical components, components of your own body, transforming into three uh-huh. separate beings, earth, fire, and water elementals with the following differences. Each elemental loses the multi-attack feature, the water elemental loses the whelm feature, and each elemental's starting max hit points is equal to one-third of your standard form's hit point maximum. Also, the earth elemental loses its burrow speed and the earth glide feature. Your form reverts when either one minute has passed or two of the elementals drop to zero. Your original form appears in the location of either the last remaining elemental or your choice of elemental if more than one remains at the end of the duration. Uh, Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish your short or long rest. I mean, I mean, that sounds pretty, pretty fun. And yeah. honestly, level 20 abilities are mostly just color, in my opinion. Yeah. You almost never get to use them because games rarely go so long. And, yeah. you know, it's... And you're multi-class, too. So... Well, that's also true. I mean, even if I got to level 20 often, I wouldn't be able to use them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that sounds like a lot of fun. And it does sound useful. I, I assume that you appear with your current your HP, like when you made, when you use this ability, right? Like I assume you don't lose HP from your actual health pool. Um, yeah, elementals. I believe so. So I assume it, I assume it acts kind of like wild shape for the, um, yeah, the Druid, which is pretty solid. I mean, you, they got to burn through a couple elementals and I'm not too familiar with the elemental as far as like their stats go. Let me double check that. Yeah. I mean, if it's just the regular elementals, this actually might be underpowered. So let's see, a normal elemental has 102 HP, like a fire elemental has 102 HP, 13 armor class. Um, they have a plus six to hit, and they do uh, 2d6 plus three fire damage. Yeah, honestly, at level 20, uh, I don't know, you, you could probably find a, I don't know if there's like better versions of the elemental. Uh, like if they there have are, there's, higher... yeah, there's elder elementals. I wonder if they would be a bit much. I mean, to be fair, you're looking at like, basically you're looking at a free 200 and some HP because they have to grind through two of these um, with, with a low armor class and, uh, you know, kind of underwhelming attacks for the level. But I don't know. Honestly, it's not that bad because you're basically giving yourself 200 free HP, right? For a mm-hmm. minute, uh, which honestly, honestly on its own is pretty solid. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I feel like this would be another playtesting thing, but also it's a 20th level ability, so who knows if that's if whatever even come up. <laughs> yeah, this um, might be the thing, the thing to just run one fight for, see how it yeah. pans out. Again, well, 20th level ability, at least as far as I'm concerned, is mostly mostly color, and I think this is yeah. pretty colorful, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd honestly, honestly, I would I would get rid of the the losing stuff. Um, at 20th level, if they're turning into elementals, I, yeah, I would let them have multi-attack, yeah. let them have whelm, let them have burrow speeds and earthclad features. At this, at that point, um, any any spell from any wizard is going to be able to duplicate those effects easily. So might yeah. as well just do it. Oh right? yeah, and I see here it says that each elemental starting HP is equal to one third of your standard forms HP. I I think they could probably have their full HP. I mean, a, a, a yeah. high level monster that you're kind of fighting at level twenty is is going to burn through your HP pretty quick. Yeah. And it only lasts for a minute, so. 
Yep. If, if this is the ability you want, if you want them to be able to uh, separate into three separate elementals, just let them be the elementals. Yeah, just straight out. And I mean, if you play that and you whoop Tiamat's butt in four rounds, then maybe it's overpowered. But, <laughs> but I, I, like I very much doubt you will because they're CR5s. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, you, just, you, I think you, you're probably you, safe. You don't need to try to gimp CR5 monsters that you're summoning, basically. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, let's go through the chemical disciplines quick. Yeah. Uh, let's see. At one time or another, an alchemist must choose a method to their madness. Different alchemists focus on varied branches of study in order to find a fit of their own. Some retreat from the light, preferring darkened rooms with alchemical poison. Others decide to change themselves, twisting their forms to become their own as they become the own, their own personal guinea pig. There are some who learn to make rapid reactions to expand the repertoire of their options at their, at their disposal. Finally, there are those who decide to instead keep more madness on their madness. Um... Uh, all right, so we got Toxichem. Toxichemists decide to dwell on the alchemical aspects of poison and work to improve the ways to apply their effects in new ways. You got Subtlety. When you choose this archetype at third level, you gain proficiency in the Stealth Skill and the Poisoner's Kit. Sounds good. Uh, viscosity. Starting at third level, you can add a powder to poisons to make them easier to apply. You can apply poison to a weapon as a bonus action. In addition, at the end of a long rest, you may create a number of vials of basic poison equal to one plus your intelligence modifier, minimum of one. These vials do not cost any GP to make. As you combine anything that comes to, to hand in an alchemical reaction to create them. However, because of their unorthodox creation, they are rendered inert at the end of a long rest. Makes sense. Same sort of general thing that you would do with Alchemist okay. Fire and, and as acid like at this that. point. With Let me poison. Look at po basic poison. I just want to see what that does. See, it's. Um... Into DC 10 constitution saving throw or take 1d4 poison damage. Um, yeah, I mean, and it uh, once applied, the poison retains potency for one minute. So, yeah, I mean, basically, there's a chance, a low chance they take 1d4 poison damage. That's honestly weaker than I would have expected. So, but I mean, at level three, that's not bad. Um, yep. And you can apply the poison to a weapon as a bonus action. So, yeah, so it's, I mean, why not at that yep. point? And they don't really cost you anything. So, that's, that's pretty solid. I like that. Uh, then you got Venomous. Starting at 7th level, you add your proficiency bonus to the DC of any poison you craft. In addition... Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, in addition, you may expand your ability to apply poison to apply a vial of to three of your bombs. Uh, the poison damage applies to the both direct hit and the splash damage when using this way. Creatures do not get a save against the poison. Uh, yeah, I mean, seems pretty cool. I can't think of a reason why that wouldn't work. Yeah, no, it seems solid. Yeah, I like the, the idea of making it the increasing the dc too um, yeah because at this point you're still once you've found better poison you're still using basic poison so yep uh pharmacist beginning at 11th level you are immune to poison damage and the poisoned condition makes sense also your experience with poison gives you insight to treating it you may use your action to make a wisdom medicine check on an adjacent creature that is under the effect of a poison if your medicine check exceeds the dc of a poison affecting the creature the cure creature is cured of the poison yeah that sounds cool nice. that's really nice actually yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's if it's really nice, but again, because of the particular specificity of the class, um, these could be good or bad things. And so, I yeah, I don't think they're overpowered. They yeah, seem pretty good. Oh, yeah, that seems pretty solid because, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's pretty circumstantial because not at all enemies poison, but poison's good DM, pretty bad when you get it. So. Yeah, a good DM <laughs> is going to at least give you chances to be able to use this sort of stuff. So, 
Right. And yeah, when it, when it comes up, it'll be pretty helpful because yep. if someone's struggling to hit constitution modifier on, or the constitution save on their poison, it can really ruin their, their, uh, efficacy. Efficacy. Uh, we got blighter starting at a 15th level. Your basic poison vials deal damage equal to your bomb die instead of their usual D4. Yeah. Also a creature that succeeds on their saving throw against your poison still takes half damage. So at level 15, your bomb die is a D10. So, uh, that's, Makes sense to me. I almost wonder if if that wouldn't be better as an earlier ability because I get that, but I I think it makes sense because well, I guess you are dumping it in an AOE. You're dumping it into stuff, the bombs so already. Yeah, I think that that's that's a that's true. That's a good point. I think that's a good spot for it then. Um, and then if a creature takes a direct hit from one of your poison bombs or a poison weapon attack, they must make a save against the poison's standard DC. And a failed save, they suffer the, from the poison condition, making a save at the end of each of their turns. Yep, that makes sense. Cool. I mean, yeah, what do we think of the Toxichem? I think it's, it's a pretty cohesive and like a thematically solid thing. I like it. I think it, it fits well with the basic stuff, too, as far as I can tell. Yep. Um, obviously, it's mostly a focus on your bomb and just uh, dumping out extra poison damage everywhere. But I think that's pretty solid. Cool. Uh, do you want to read Anarchemist? Yeah. The reckless abandon in which the anarchemist lobs his bombs is unsettling, whether he be friend or foe. Uh, gonna, I'm going to try for this. Magglycerin initiator. I like that. Magglycerin. That's a funny. Uh, so that's pretty good. It'd probably be magglycerin because it's magglycerin. Like, that sounds yeah. better. Yeah. Initiator. Uh, when you choose the archetype at third level, you learn uh, to add a little of your extract catalyst to the contents of your bombs. When you make an attack with a bomb, you may choose to add an additional die of damage to that bomb. You may choose to add the additional die of damage to either the fire or the piercing damage. And adding it to the piercing damage does increase the splash damage dealt. If you, so in our case, if you added it to the... Uh, if, you, if you went with the change we suggested, it would be uh, adding it to either the fire that is... Um, well, yeah, because you take fire and piercing if you actually get hit. So if you took it, if you did it to the piercing, then I it think what it's saying is an additional. It's both. Uh, and I'm just saying if if he reworked that original ability, I'm trying to think how this would change, but maybe that doesn't matter. We'll let him. Yeah. Um. And it okay. If you add this, I'm just trying to see where it says what the die is that you add. Whatever. If you add this bonus damage, bonus damage. It's an additional die of the same type. As, as the dead, the bomb is already doing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. If you add uh, this bonus damage roll to 20, if the result is a 20 or of the 20 is equal or lower than the result of the bonus damage die, roll on the wild magic table. That's fun. Yeah. The, yeah. That's, I like that. That's, that's fun. A, yeah. That, yeah. That's a fun little kind of rolling chance. Yeah. Uh, bombs and critical hits. When you deal a critical hit, do you roll the damage twice? Determining whether the twenty year old triggers a surge, a wild magic surge. Okay. Um, personal preference is to take the higher of the two rolls to compare with. However, if it's more convenient for the DM, they may deem to either add both dice together or take the first rolled, or even the lower of the two. So is that talking about if you crit with the mild wild magic dice? Is that what it's saying? Um. Oh, I see what it is. Yeah, because it's it's talking about the die of damage that you're using to compare the, the D20 that you roll the wild magic to. Right. Yeah, so that makes sense. 
Gotcha. Okay. That, that seems fine as written. Yeah. Uh, then we got Unstable Concoction at level 7. Instead of making one of your attacks, you may choose to brew a bomb by holding it in hand. Uh, when you do so, you must maintain concentration on the bomb until the start of your next turn. If you succeed on maintaining concentration, double the amount of damage dice for the bomb when you throw it. And if it is a direct hit, the creature must make a constitution saving throw or be stunned until the end of your next turn. If you fail to maintain concentration, the bomb blows up in your hand, dealing the standard damage of the direct hit to yourself. You may only be brewing one bomb at a time. I assume this is a joke for cooking, cooking a grenade, right? Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. I like that. Um, and it, it is definitely very strong. You're doubling the damage um, of an AoE, which is pretty solid. Oh, at seventh level, it's a D6. That's, you know, basically you're, you're, you're giving yourself a crit, kind of, uh, yeah. as far as the, that bomb's going. But you could blow up in your own hand. So yep. I feel like it. it that seems fine. Well. Uh, Playtesting might like tell us differently but it it seems fine for now yeah so let's see uh, and at seventh level so it seems pretty solid yep a lateral thinking uh beginning at level 11 your mental workings are hard for even the weave to understand <laughs> you gain proficiency in the wisdom saving throws that's pretty fun and wisdom I'm, saving uh, throws do come up a lot so that's, that's true they are the most common i think as far as yep. target. so that's pretty pretty solid yeah uh and mad lobber <laughs> starting oh wait was the hmm. what was the save? Is when you do so, you must maintain maintain concentration of the bomb. So yeah, this will also make you less likely to blow yourself up with your own bombs because it's a concentration save, which I think is wisdom, right? No, it's constitution. Or it oh oh oh, concentrate. Oh, yeah yeah yeah, it's a it is constitution though. Yeah, constitution. Oh, it save. Is. Okay, you're right. Uh, I wonder. Hmm. Well, you already have. Uh, you already have that yep. constitution from bomb. the base. So, yeah, okay, cool uh so starting at 15th level you focus uh, yeah you focus uh more on hurling the bombs and actually aiming them instead of making a standard bomb attack you may choose to lob bombs randomly if you so throw two bombs instead of one as part of a single attack both bombs automatically miss and scatter if the bomb lands on the square occupied by a creature deal damages if it were a direct hit instead of just splash damage that's pretty cool i like this i could see it be really annoying for melee characters <laughs> in your team yep uh but if you don't have a lot of those or if they're particularly tanky uh it's definitely definitely on theme mm -hmm. um uh, it's pretty funny um cool yeah. then we have Camistro. uh focuses on the ways of rapid reactions and put thought and planning into their experimentation um that seems opposite of what it just said the key maestro focuses on the ways of rapid reactions and put thought and planning into their experimentation. Those are opposite things, right? Rapid reactions is different from putting thought and planning into their your experimentation. So I'm just confused maybe it as means to that text. you save your thinking for before you do stuff. Like you're when you're doing your experimentations, you practice and plan, and then when you're in combat, you just. Flip well, out. I guess I guess let's just read it and see. Yeah, I guess we'll find um, out. When you choose this archetype at third level, you may prepare a number of spells equal to half your proficiency bonus rounded down plus your intelligence modifier from the below table, which have the bonuses detailed. Uh, you may cast these spells spontaneously by expending any extract vial of the equivalent level or above. If using a higher level extract, gain the effects as if used in a higher level spell slot. In addition, you may choose to change the splash area of effect of your bombs as you use them to either 10-foot lines in every cardinal adjacent direction or a 20-foot cone behind where the bomb lands. Yeah, and it, it does seem like you're, you're focusing on... Um, this looks like it's giving you a lot more... Uh... Options. just options in right, general yeah. um would you guys make sense the flavor text just seemed yeah. confusing uh, so mm -hmm. yeah i like this um 
assume the idea of this is that you're you're now allowed to use more aggressive spells because yeah, we're looking at like burning hands and yeah yeah this is basically just allowing you to get away from the mostly supportive alchemist spell list it looks like and use some other spells too which i think is fine it makes sense um you're not getting very many spells either so it's not like it's really overstuffing it's yeah wrong. um yeah. Uh, yeah, seventh level, you can change the fire damage of your bombs to a different type by adding a different agent. When you throw a bomb, you may choose to have the fire damage of your bombs dealer either acid, cold, lightning, thunder, or fire damage. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yep. Gives you more flexibility, which seems to be sort of the theme. Yeah. Mixologist. Mixologist. <laughs> you expend two extracts in order to combine them into one vial. This vial then allows both extracts to be activated in the same action. If both extracts are concentration extracts and would normally normally not overlap, they can overlap if combined. Okay. Yeah. No, I like that. That's fun. So you can mix two potions together, right? Two of the utility spells. Yeah. So basically, as an action, you can cast two, two of these spells at once. But it still, it still casts the same amount of spell slots and whatnot but. right right yeah yeah that seems fine I'm, I'm trying to think i don't think there's anything in the game that really lets you do something like that so i'm trying to think of that i mean, Which, I I mean so this yeah my only my only thought here right is that if it if we if you went with the change to the magic table like we suggested it might be overpowered as it stands, if he it kept it with the Eldritch yeah. Knight spell, it would, that totally fine. Don't even worry about it. Like this is not right. going to be overpowered. Yeah, I think right? That would probably be fine. Um. Yeah. My only thought would just be if you do decide to make the spells a little bit more as a base class, a little bit more accessible, then be wary about this one and, and make and make a note to play test it a little bit. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's a pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I definitely like it though, and the name of it is great. Yeah. Uh, bandolier um, tailoring banning at 15th level you harness a bandolier to hold some of your bombs when you take damage from a creature that is within five feet of you you can use your reaction to make a bomb attack against the creature okay that's cool <laughs> oh that's fun <laughs> that's cool it's also uh it's also kind of like a suicide grenade though as i say it guarantees that you take damage as long as you hit them because you're in the splash <laughs> um yeah, I would honestly, since it's a 15th level thing, I would honestly say you don't take damage from this. You're immune to the damage of, of the yeah, that would be cool. particular bomb. Especially if you go with the idea that the AoE is an auto hit, not a, not a save, because yeah. then you would always take damage from your own bomb, and that would be frustrating. Yeah. Um, but I think it would be hilarious if you somehow didn't, so. Yep. I think, <laughs> and as a 15th level thing, I don't think that's, yeah, that seems like a fun, and it's only yeah. on your reaction. So, yep. I like that. Cool, you want to read Keymorpher? Sure. I almost that almost feels like an anarchemist thing to me. This bandolier tailoring thing. Just it, it does holding a bomb in your hand and letting it go off almost. It it, it does the as theme. written. But if he if he's had it, you don't take damage from it, then I think it makes sense for this class. Um That's true. But That's yeah. Uh, at any rate, yeah, Keymorpher, uh the Keymorpher is for the alchemist who wants to get up close and personal. Mimic nature to grant you a more bestial strength. Uh, mutagen when you choose this archetype at third level you may choose to drink one of your extracts as a mutagen instead of the usual effects you gain the following benefits for the duration so basically you spend a spell slot and you do Although, a wild shape <laughs> uh, yeah you gain an unarmored defense of 10 plus dexterity plus intelligence 
it's pretty solid. Uh, uh, make sure you specify that that means modifier and not yeah store. <laughs> that's true i mean obviously we know that but yeah yeah um, we that assume that but as written it, it could technically be either way that's true yeah uh, you gain a natural weapon it's strength based uh and has two damage die equal to your bomb die uh at this is a third level okay uh it can deal your choice of bludgeoning slashing or piercing damage choose upon drinking the mutagen um Oh, okay, here it is. The duration of the effect depends on the level of extract you drank. That was what I was wondering. I was like, well, what's the difference between what spell you use? At first level, it lasts a minute. Second level, it lasts an hour. Third level, it lasts eight hours. And fourth level, it lasts 24 hours. Uh, if you consume other mutagen effects, uh, the previous one ends. You also gain an additional effect as you add alchemical reagents use, uh, you source by studying nature. Pick one option from the minor transmutational effects on the following page. You gain the benefits of that effect for duration. So, a couple things for me, uh, it being strength based is strange to me because yeah, it, it, because if you're not wild shaping into a, a creature that has a good strength, this is going to be basically useless. Yeah, because I assume you're going to dump stat your strength for this class. Well, because you're not actually turning into a monster, right? Like, yeah, you, you just get those effects and you're already trying to balance between your um, dexterity. So you have decent. You know, I mean, as the unarmored defense thing suggests, your decks and your int are important here. So your strength is probably bad. Um, so your natural weapon's gonna really suffer. And honestly, you could have a natural weapon scale off decks. And I feel like that would probably be because dex is probably gonna be the lower of your two stats since intelligence is so heavy in yeah. a stat. So I feel like dex is a is a safe option. Yep. Um, and having it deal two damage equal to your bomb die, especially at this level, is fine. It's two d4. Um, and you know, you pick bludgeoning, slashing, piercing, that's fine. Um, the other thing is that the duration thing, um, I feel like in most cases where I can do something for a minute, doing it for an hour doesn't really matter. Yep. And in most cases where I can do something for an hour, eight hours and 24 hours doesn't really matter. Like, yep. because this is mostly a combat thing, as far as I can tell, like yeah. you're not gaining well, except on. for the, except for the transmutational effects, yeah, I guess. Let me look at. Wait, where is that? Um, where is that table? Uh, you gain additional effect as you. Yeah, actually, the, that actually makes most sense. It makes sense to have it like that because a lot of these are like you get climb speed, swim speed, you can breathe underwater, which you in a lot of cases you'd want to do multiple times or for multiple hours. Where? Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, minor advanced and prime. What is? Yeah, I think you just get them at at higher levels. Oh yeah. Okay. So reduce damage, falling, gain a bite, gain swim speed, climb speed. So this is the kind of stuff where it makes sense to have longer durations. Grapple attempt. Because yeah, like for instance, having having a swim speed equal to your walking speed and breathing underwater, this is the kind of thing that would be useful to have for eight or twenty four hours. But like gaining I, constitution modifier, temporary hit points at the start of each turn, I'm not going to need that for more than a minute in most games. Yeah. Or like, you know, just because the combats rarely last more than that. Uh, how often can you do this? You just use an. It's just an extract, I think. Yeah. Right, and then the you, level is yeah. You is drink the duration. It. So. 
honestly, I would just use a first level mutagen whenever I needed it for a minute in a fight. And I would almost never use my higher level mutagens for that, which is fine. Maybe that's how you want it. Yeah. Uh, to have that flexibility. Um, that's just a note to, in case that has any bearing, but, uh, these, I like these, uh, options. So it's fun. It's kind of like a build your own wild shape, which is fun. Yeah. Um, most of these, most of these seem pretty, pretty solid. Can expand the hit night of heals a bonus action. Oh, wow. That's really good. I assume you get these better ones later. So let's, let's look at the rest of these. So, um, pimp my hide. <laughs> Pretty good. Showing a seventh level, your skin is enhanced by your repeated use of the mutagens, gaining some of their effects permanently. Natural weapons count as magical. That's pretty standard. That's good. I like that. Especially since you're doing slashing and stuff. Uh, you gain the benefits of the mutagens on armored defense, even when not under the effects of mutagen. That's that's fine because then you're not wearing armor. So honestly, it'll it'll probably even out more, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, when you drink an extract as a mutagen, you also gain the standard effects of the extract. Uh, that's very good. Yeah. Um, I think that makes sense. Is seventh level? Yeah. Is it, you're, you're kind of getting to use a wild shape and a spell at the same time. Um, but, it's, but it's a minor wild shape. Yeah, but I think that's. I mean, that's true. It's not as solid as yeah, because I guess you don't actually get another health bar or anything. Exactly, that's true. It's not nearly as powerful. Yeah, that seems fair. Okay. Uh, primal build beginning at eleventh level, you learn to further customize your form with features similar to serrated claws, bony extrusions, or barbed nails. Your natural weapon does an additional damage equal to your intelligence modifier. That's cool. Uh, so it does. Does that mean it's strength and intelligence modifier as written? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, that's 11th level. seems fair. Um, in addition, you are able to take on even more intense primal effects. You may gain the benefit of the advanced transmutational effects when you consume the mutagen in addition to the minor one you have. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, so we're talking stuff like advantage on intelligence. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, brute force starting at 15th level, your experience with close quarters combat enhances your capabilities in the following benefits. Make use of your bombs as melee weapons with <laughs> a reach of five feet and automatically make your saving as a splash damage. Uh, if you are consuming an extract as a mutagen, uh, you may choose to consume it as a bonus action instead of an action, in which case you also get. So that means you're the problem with that is that means you're getting a splash a spell as well because when you use a mutagen you also get the extracts ability this is definitely the best subclass of all of them because by the time you get to 15th level you're being able to compound like four different effects yeah they they build on each other very heavily yeah Uh, because at this point you're using your bomb uh wait you as melee weapons okay so it's not this is the yeah they don't stack with your natural weapon or anything but uh, I, I like I like that you worked bombs in here because they're very core to the base the base class. Yeah. Um, and I think that's good. Uh, but the I feel like even for fifteenth level, this might be a bit much. Getting basically getting a spell for free on a bonus action and getting three other effects. Right. Because you yeah. also get a prime transmutational. Yeah. Effect. In addition, you take a, a prime. Yeah. Um, that seems like 
You're basically getting oh, to cast wow. four spells on yourself at one time. On yeah, because you get, you get all these effects, <laughs> and then you're punching with multiple st- Yeah, you're you're. It really becomes very powerful. Uh, now, obviously, your your. Uh, I mean, as written, your weapon is a strength base, so it's probably not very good. Which I guess is maybe part of the reason that. He has so much scaling on it. True. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I would just take all of this into account. Like when you're kind of thinking yeah. how to tweak this a little bit, I, th- I feel like it needs to be tweaked somewhere. Um, my my initial thought right away was just maybe uh, you have to consume two extracts at once to do this as a bonus action. Yeah, that might help pair it out. Um, Let's see a fifteenth level. You have four first level extracts, three second, two on. You have you you automatically gain a uh, a. Uh, you know what I might do actually uh, with the duration stuff. I would maybe put it down one category. Have the first category be six seconds, and then have the second second level spell be one minute, or something like that. Maybe not six seconds, but like. I don't know, 30 like seconds. 30 seconds or something. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, uh, yeah, six seconds, it would be easy. It would be easy to kite you long enough for it to go away. Um, and I mean, the, yeah, I'm wondering if it would just be like, I could see it requiring a higher level mutagen for something, right? So like, if you're using a bonus action to to do it, it has to be like a, a third level mutagen or something, right? Something like yeah. that where because that limits the amount of times you can do it like i can see this being a really good ability if you could do it once or twice but if you could do it every single time using mutagen it would be i feel like it would really i mean we're talking about basically getting to cast shield of faith on yourself for free every time you transform or yeah a shield or something like that and that seems like a lot even like for your first level mutagens right and then obviously you could also cast greater invisibility at the same time you're getting all these other things so yeah um that does seem like a lot uh see i i personally would would look at maybe uh having a requirement for the level of mutagen being used for the stronger stuff mm-hmm. um like like doing it as a bonus action or whatever um but i don't know that you might find something better as a, as a compromise but yeah uh it is a, definitely the most uh builds on itself the most and it's uh, got a very cohesive uh theme to it too i think it's pretty cool and i always like it when you turn sort of off casters or or you know evasive characters into face rollers i think it's kind yeah. of fun um it's always fun to see that it doesn't always work well necessarily but it's always fun <laughs> yeah so uh yeah I, I think this is a cool addition cool um yeah agreed um awesome i mean i feel like that's probably i mean that's the end of the the class i like it i definitely like it it definitely has a lot of really good flavor um it it works as a different class um that was one of the things david and i were talking about immediately was whether or not it was it should just be a subclass for something else but yeah obviously this is a very different class Mm -hmm. yeah my my first major concern was typically in 5e they have most of the bases pretty well covered with the basic 
classes. So usually if I'm like, oh, I wish I had a class that did this, I realize it would just work better as a subclass to something that is already there. Yep. Um, and my initial thought when I heard Alchemist was, oh, there's literally a right. subclass to the artificer that is called Alchemist, but it's not like this. Um, it's, I think it's much more, um, obviously it's only a subclass. It doesn't have a lot of stuff, but it's more uh, like more based on healing and stuff like that. Um, utility so but this is especially because 5e lacks so much on the crafting this feels almost like a a partner to the artificer and that it is instead of about making magical items it's about making magical potions and stuff yeah and uh but you know obviously much more than their version of the alchemist uh, and i think that fits really well i think that's probably one of the few spots you could put a whole full class in that yeah. D doesn't already have it mm-hmm. uh, which is good i mean that's saying a lot honestly there's, there's not a lot of holes in that net so um yeah, this yeah. The, this class definitely has with all of its subclasses in 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 in, uh, in addition like a, a very particular flavor and niche. Yeah, separate from all of the other ones. So, yeah, I yeah. could see Josh really enjoying this game. <laughs> this this, uh, this class? class, yeah. true, very true. Actually, <laughs> this feels like a Josh class to me. Yeah, like the, the sort of mad scientist kind of tinkering uh-huh. thing. Um, yeah, I think cool. overall it's, it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, there there are a couple of things I'd I'd be interested to see how they went in testing because they yeah uh, you know, see how they go. Um, but uh, yep, overall I think it's pretty solid. Cool. Ooh. Yeah. So thanks for allowing us to subject it to our <laughs> critique. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think you did a pretty good job here. So mm-hmm. for sure. Um. I am not sure what we're going to be doing next time, but uh, we'll we definitely want to talk about um, Dungeons and Dragons, moving away from Dungeons and Dragons in, in our kind of history towards other role playing games uh, to kind of open our open our open the field up to talking about like Burning Wheel and Fate and other stuff like that. Um, sure. But uh, we still kind of want to try to see if we can get Connor um, in for 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 that. So we'll we'll see what this looks yeah. like. But uh, anyway. Thanks for coming along with us on this uh, critique and uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, come chat in our Discord and you can ask Gurno the Clunker why he made this class and <laughs> ask him, I don't know, ask him any questions about it you want in our little role-playing game section there. Cool. Yeah. You want to say our outro, David? Sure. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're inspired to play more role-playing games. Adios.